Welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am your host, Kristen Sparks. I am the CEO and founder of Roar Inc. Voices Our Power, communications and connections company. I am a corporate and personal growth facilitator. I am an infinite possibilities and certified success principles trainer, currently working on my master certification for the success principles and my BVC coaching certification. I am a facilitator, author, speaker, and thought leader. I am a cancer, broken heart, body, and soul thriver. 2022 is a power year and all about living our best life. I may live with chronic pain, but I find joy in every day in the act of getting up and having a new day filled with infinite options, opportunities, and possibilities of success. Roar with Sparks, How Loud Is Your Roar is all about you. Come join the conversation as we gather weekly to share wisdom, insight, and value, learning from and giving to each other and our special guests, sending our vibration higher and charging each other up all while having fun. Can't wait to see you here. How loud is your roar? Hi, and welcome to Roar with Sparks. How loud is your roar? I am so honored today. I have a special, special friend, Frank Carlisi. He is the co-founder of the EXV agency, PR professional event planning, like nobody's business and a TV producer. I mean, how exciting is that? (laughs) Frank, welcome. That was an amazing setup. I need to carry you around with me all the time and just announce me when I walk into a room and you need like a little trumpet when you do it. Can we work that out after this recording? Good. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to recognize too that the day that this podcast is coming out is International Pride Day. And I am the proudest gay woman you ever met. I have the most amazing wife of 20 years. I have no problem stating that, but we have always been kind of skittish about pride, not because we weren't proud of the fact that we are an amazing couple or that we are gay or whatever label I've been, you know, labels are not my thing, but Frank really changed my perspective about what pride meant. And I am, and as you know, if you've listened to me, an all-inclusive, everybody belongs, humanhood, sisterhood, brotherhood, groupie. (laughs) (laughs) And community is important to me. My whole mission is to bring people together. And I didn't, for whatever reason, and probably a lot of it had to do with my wife and where she grew up, you had to hide who you were. And I've always kind of hid who I was because I was not out. I was married. I've got three children. You know, they're all adults now. But I didn't look at pride as being a way of, of belonging. You know, I looked at it as a separation and Frank changed my whole perspective last week. And that was one of the reasons why I wanted him to be here today. And thank you for that. I mean, you know, school me every day. (laughs) (laughs) 
you know, we had a really honest conversation and this is a really poignant topic to discuss, especially as we're in Pride Month right now. And what pride means to us is an individual experience, in my opinion. I look at it not as just a month, of course, but acutely in the month of June, we could seek out what that is in a very special way. So I think that that's kind of the cadence of what I was trying to communicate to you. And I'm so touched that this meant something to you that deeply. It means a lot to me for you saying that. It was one of those light bulb aha moments that (laughs) we all have because, you know, we get into these ruts of who we are and what what the world is. and, And no matter what our calling is and our passion is, we can still miss the point. And it takes somebody else saying, hey, look at it this way. Wonder, be curious a little bit from this side. And it changes everything. Yes. And I will say you've done that for me in so many different ways. So in just me knowing you in such a short time, this conversation right now is very, very poignant, of course, but I'm excited about it because changing perspectives is something that I do sort of every day in my career. You know, working in PR, you're basically setting the tone for a person's image, which is very fascinating to me and what that is. And I take it personally. Working in events, you're setting the tone for what an experience is going to be. Working in TV, you're showing someone's life through a lens and showing an audience what that is. So this is just a natural progression of that for me. And for me, we'll get into this pretty deep, I could tell, but um, pride for me is a similar experience to what you shared. I was not out until my, I'd say mid to late 20s, and I'm 41 years old now. So it's kind of a newer experience for me. I grew up in New York City. I grew up in the Bronx, New York in an Italian Catholic neighborhood. That was very difficult. I always tried to hide who I was, similar to your story, and hid that from family, from friends. And we can get into sort of what that really is, but something I'm going to share with you is when I came out at, you know, towards the end of college, if you will, the first thing I did was I went to my friends and I said, thank you so much for still being my friend because of this. And I guess the reason why that's coming up, I haven't spoke about that in 25, 20 years, but the reason why I bring that up is I was putting myself out there. I was projecting the image that I wanted to project. And I felt grateful when I probably shouldn't have felt grateful in hindsight. I was just being me. So I'm bringing all this up because, you know, there's so much to unload and so much to discuss here with the Pride Month conversation, but it's about that perception that you have and that you want other people to have and finding what that is in the middle. It so is. I mean, for me, it was such a hidden part of my life that I hid it from myself, let alone everybody else. But when I met Syl, it was not the package that I fell in love with. It was the person. And I could not get people to understand that. It doesn't matter what the package is. We don't get to choose what the package is. We choose the person. 
And whether that person is who we are inside or who the person is that we are attracted to is inside, other people may not understand it. And it doesn't matter whether you're gay, heterosexual, whatever, it matters not because not everybody is going to agree with you. You know, they're not going to agree on your partner. They're not going to agree on your friends. I mean, how many times have parents, and I know I have, how many times as parents have we said, oh, why did our daughter or our son marry that person? (laughs) Or why are they dating that person? We're just people. And people don't always get other people. That's definitely true. But uh, something you brought up interesting to me is the label, the terminology, the labels. I would love to discuss that with you and, and really dive into what that is. We're in a month, right? Every corporation changes their logo and puts the pride flag and there's corporate sponsorship. And the joke is that Coca-Cola is going to you know, throw all this money into this one month. They're going to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars supporting pride. And then the minute it's July 1st, it's crickets, right? That's what we've, as a society, sort of seen the corporate side of, of what pride is. I would love to know from you. I'm sorry, I'm Chris, and I'm interviewing you, but I, I love you so much. I want to just pick your brain on everything. Please do. <laughs> I'm fine with that completely, Brian. <laughs> you know, I am a stream of consciousness conversationalist, so please. My favorite. I would love to know what your perspective is on that, on the corporate side of pride and what we could collectively do as a community to try to change that perspective, what we could do there, because I don't love that that's sort of synonymous with what pride is, the corporate side of it. And I always want to come up with solutions and changing perspectives. So what could we do as a community to change that? Well, I think it's a beautiful thing to celebrate any community. And I think to be able to take a whole month to do that is really amazing. However, I would like to see it as inclusiveness 12 months out of the year. If we've got, let's just take Coca-Cola since you brought that up. If we could have a can that is dedicated to the LGBTQ community Why not? Why is it that if we can take the lights on the Ringling Bridge and make them the flag colors for the month, why can't we do that every day? Why can't we change it every day? Why does it need to be only this month we do this and only this month we do that? You know, it's like Black History Month. Why is it Black History? Why can't it be always Black History? Why do we need to separate ourselves whatever the separation might be, so that we can only talk about these things during the month of whatever. Even independence. Yes, it's one day, but we celebrate it the whole month. Why are we not celebrating independence every day? Why are we not celebrating freedom every day and choice every day? I just have the issue with and Spirit and I have worked on this issue (laughs) of labeling and separating. I truly believe that if we start looking at ourselves as a human 
society instead of a separate society that we will move forward so much faster in our evolution. Oh, absolutely. The spiritual evolution, it's lacking at the moment in our world. Technology may be evolving, but uh, are our spirits evolving? I don't think so as, as to the place we should be at this point. But definitely a lot of interesting things there, and it's about changing perspectives. Now you have counterculture to this. You have people that don't have an open mind to all this different representation. So my goal daily, honestly, is to try to change that. You'll be surprised with me, Kristen, and you and I could always have an honest conversation. Some of my sort of core principles can tend to be conservative. I'll be honest with you. I can kind of vacillate in my sort of personal belief system, but I love that about me because I could see things on the entire spectrum. So that's why I'm sharing that because I think more of that and not being so polarized is what the issue is. It's siding with a particular conservative opinion, siding with a liberal opinion, but also being open-minded enough to see that we need to be like this and not just like this or like this. So I think it's it's a political conversation. It's a, you know, a spiritual conversation. I group religion and spirituality is different and everything in between. So what I try to do in my friend group, in my professional space is offer different opinions and if it may not be the most popular. Okay, so AOC said something, but did we listen to what the other side said? And where is the middle ground? Where is the commonality? So that's kind of how I think in terms of everything. And if more people did that, then more people would see, to your point, how do we bridge these gaps and, and create 365 inclusion as opposed to a single micro day? Exactly. In my world, which is in my head, <laughs> I love the camera, man. in my world, we don't have that separation. We don't have that lack of choice. We don't have the noise. There's so much noise that we forget to listen. We forget to hear. And if I don't hear what you have to say, I'm missing out on a whole world that could be this beautiful inclusion. Oh, Kristen, you're the best. (laughs) (laughs) You get it on such a level. You're touching on something that for me is so important to me. And this is, I could bring this back to my career. When asked, how do you come up with this idea? How do you come up with this TV show? My answer every time is that I listen. I'm never waiting for my opportunity to talk in any situation. You might have experienced this with me when we first started working together professionally. I don't say anything on the first couple of calls. I'm very quiet. And my business partner, Karen, can back this up. I will be radio silent for like the first two to three sort of interactions with a new client. And then it's off to the races. I need to listen and really want to hear what your perspective is and and where you're coming from and get to the root of it. I'm a good listener, but I'll tell you a little joke. You could go on and on and on and on, and I will only pick up on two words in what you're saying, and I'll write them down. And those two words are going to be so important to the process. 
because that's the outlier. But that's you can't find that unless you listen and listen deeply. And nobody listens anymore, Tristan. I could be, I could tell you that. No one's listening. I always say coming up with a, a television concept, I have to listen to the, the world around me. I have to meet someone and go, oh, can we turn that into something creative or, or make that come to life? And it all comes from listening. So that's the takeaway. It does. If I'm constantly thinking about the next thing that I'm going to say, I can never hear what you have to say. I can never be a part of what you have to say. And I think that's part of listening too, is really connecting with that person that you're talking to. And one of the reasons I started podcasting is because I absolutely love to talk. (laughs) I love to talk. I love to talk to people. I love to have conversations. I, I love to just talk to the camera. And yet I have to stop and listen to the people that I bring on because what they have to say is so valuable and so integral to who I am, who my listeners are and can be, and I can be affected in such profound ways by listening. I like it. (laughs) You know, as much as I like to talk, I like to listen. I want to know what you have to say. So Tell me a little bit about being a TV producer. How did you get into that? What a story. It all is derivative, honestly, from this repressed creative spirit. Now, we're a little bit on topic here with what brought us together for today's conversation. So we could relate it back to this sort of internal repression that I self-imposed on myself for so many years. I definitely think I held a lot of that in in my teenage years, my early 20s, just wanting to express myself. I remember joining the the high school play and not hiding it and hiding my costume in my bag when I would go home and then flourishing when I was in my element. But that was always the through line for me was, was repressing something and hiding something. When I finally stopped doing that, I was exposed to a whole new world. The creative spirit just started to come through me. And I met some really great people that let me be creative and be as creative as I wanted to be. It was a very specific time and place in my life where I felt safe to create. I haven't always felt safe to create and be creative. But The fun story is I was drunk one night at a gay bar in Hell's Kitchen in New York City with one of my dear friends, Tim. That's the story. We're sticking to it. (laughs) Tequila sodas at uh, a bar. And we were just talking. And I'm, a believe it or not, a trained chef in another career. I know I do have a lot of layers to me. but I love that. I went to the French Culinary Institute. I ran my own catering company for almost a decade. So... As a chef, I said, what would the weight of having to cook someone's last meal be? And we started just in this very deep discussion, my, my friend and I, 
just going back and forth. And as a chef, what that would mean to me, he put his perspective in it. And I had, that was an idea. It just popped into our head. And I was at a Christmas party at a friend's house in an elevator, literally in an elevator. And I just, for whatever reason, said this idea out loud to my friend Doug at the time. Someone, a stranger, turns around in the elevator and says, can you call me on Monday? I would love to discuss your idea a little bit more. So I literally did an elevator pitch in an elevator. Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) And he happened to be an executive at Viacom in New York City went up into the studios there, right in Times Square, up this huge escalator, literally my friend Tim and I, and sat down in a boardroom and we pitched him this show idea and started developing a concept, which we were developing for almost six years. And this two weekends ago was picked up by A&E. And we learned an entire business in our pajamas during COVID. Oh my goodness. All of it. All of it. We shot a pilot in Kansas for a different show, literally at the peak of COVID in New York City. Couldn't leave the house, but we were filming something. So it was about listening and just learning and wanting to learn and being creative safely that got me into this business. Met the most amazing people that were supportive and mentors to us in the process. And now we have shows for shows for shows. Our brains don't stop anymore, but it's the safety of being able to create that's allowing us to do it. I know, I'm sorry, that was so long-winded, but that's the journey in in a condensed version. Lots of tears in that story too, but anyway. Ah, Frank, that's amazing. I've got to do a presentation and it's on doing goals and affirmations. And one of the things that with goals that's so important and is so for every successful person out there, they say their goals out loud. You said your goal out loud and look what happened. Had you not said what you did to Doug at that exact moment that spirit led you to do it, you would not be where you are today. That is the truth. Absolutely. I've a big fan of Elizabeth Gilbert, and she did an amazing TED Talk. And I listened to it at the time when this was all happening. And I tell this story to everybody, anyone and everyone. She's just talking, and if you can look it up, it's a TEDx, a TED Talk. And she's talking about the creative spirit. And after she wrote Eat, Pray, Love, she was afraid to go back in and write another book because she believes that the idea isn't within, it's external. And it's just her job to grab the idea and put it down. That's it. That's all her job is. It's not coming this huge revelation, this huge sort of epiphany. It's just the ideas out there. How do you listen enough to the universe to grab it and put it down somewhere and make it happen? That's the thing that I try to teach people because it's not easy to do. I get it. I so get that. You know, it's like coming up with my tagline for what my purpose is and really trying to to meld that down into something that made sense. And it all came down to love, joy, and grace. So much so that 
I got the epiphany when I was over at the tattoo artist the other day to having put that on my arm. So I now have it on my arm. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> Listen, you and I are tattoo buddies. I mean, they go on for an hour. Never. And I know. Ever. It, this one's finally done. It will be revealed soon. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then I, I did the E plus R equals O. The event plus the response equals the outcome. So everything that we do, everything that we do, when we respond because we want a certain outcome, we respond in a certain way to whatever events happen in our life, we are going to be successful. It's just, it's impossible not to be. And that's why you are where you are with this show. And I am so excited for you. That is amazing. That creativity that comes to us is such a gift. It really is. It makes me happy every day to know that we could be these people if we all sort of just really, again, back to the word listen, but also are a little more introspective and a little more methodical and not just reacting all the time, but planning a little bit and really exploring a little bit. I think there's so much potential in that. And that's what I would love to see more of in the world and make an impact that way. You know, we've worked to discuss my sort of experience again, back to pride a little bit. Yeah, pride in our community is a big party these days. And this is something that I have an issue with, but we're going to get around this and, and you'll see why I'm telling this story. Pride is a big party. Everyone's drinking, everyone's partying. It's party in the streets. It's New York. It's West Hollywood. It's a huge parade. It's a whole spectacle, right? But what I do during Pride is I take a beat and I'm, I think about it a little bit and I go, where can I go during this wonderful month where there are all these options for people? Where can I go and make the most impact or meet the people that need the most help in, in our community? And for me, that's been walking in a pride parade again, the huge parade, the floats, the this, the that, but working with people with young adults with mental disabilities and developmental disabilities and walk, holding their hands. I'm going to send you a video, Kristen, after this and holding their hands and walking down Fifth Avenue. I've had the pleasure of doing that for many years and just seeing these wonderful human beings that can express themselves the way we can because of a handicapped, but them feeling this overwhelming sense of acceptance and joy, that's pride to me. Because they, it might need to be magnified and on steroids in order for someone like that to feel it. Oh, that just sends chills. To me, that makes the spectacle and the partying and all that other, you know what, okay. Because it needed to be dialed up for them to experience it. That's been my process with pride. It's being a seeker, listening, finding where you need to go, thinking a little bit, and putting yourself in those situations to really feel that pride. We walked down Fifth Avenue with my dog. I had him in a backpack. And he walked the whole parade route. And one of the young women in this organization, she said, can I put Spike is my dog. Can I put Spike on while we're walking? We had him in like, you know, a rainbow outfit. He was adorable. He was loving it. She put him on and walked 
literally almost the entire New York City parade route and people were screaming for her. And she was crying at one point because she's never experienced this before. And those are the joy moments that I find in Pride that I just really wanted to share. So thinking and seeking are sort of my lessons when it comes to that. And that conversation that you and I had the other day, this was the piece that changed my perspective. And I am huge on give as much as you get. And that is so, so touching that you would do that, Frank, that you would take the time to be curious, to be of service, to want to give someone a different opportunity than what they might not have had. And I am so blessed to have you in my life because you are the kind of person that changes the energy and pushes the evolution of humanity forward. You touch me so deeply. Too sweet to me. And you do the same for me, for sure. And allowing this conversation to happen, it's cathartic in so many different ways. It's actually making me feel at the moment just joyful, as you do with everybody, of course, and just feel that safety, that freedom to express myself. So you do that for me and for so many other people. So thank you. It means the world. I think that there's beauty in this pride thing. And I think if we look at it through that lens, we could find it and carry it through our entire year. As long as we find some someone that needs it more than we do. That's always the lesson for me and for so many people. Another experience is working with the National Center for Transgender Equality. You know, that was a, a few years there. I would go to their pride events that they would host in New York and sometimes in D.C. and just get to meet these beautiful transgender men and women. Now, something that I've really prided myself in and always want to seek and learn more are different diverse people, different cultural diversity, gender diversity, all that. I want to be exposed to that because I grew up in that neighborhood I mentioned earlier, that closed-minded, very, very secular Italian-American Catholic neighborhood. But when I went to high school, I fought I remember fighting with my parents, my grandparents. I want to go to the high school that has the smallest percentage of Italian, American, Catholic people that I could find. You know, I want to meet other people. I want to be in the minority and get to experience what that is and learn. So I did. I I fought and fought and fought. And my high school years were the best years of some of the best years of my life. So I do that now because I want to be around different people and people that have the same core values, but may present differently. So I would have the pleasure of meeting these wonderful people. And something they'd say to me, they'd say, Frank, we're here and we don't get to meet that many people like you and some other people. And the thing that we're missing is people don't embrace us. They don't hug us. They don't touch us. They're afraid to do that. And another lesson in pride for me, I'm floored by that statement that this wonderful, wonderful trans woman shared with me. She said, no one ever wants, they keep me at a distance. So if we can fix that and just bring people closer together, because yeah, there's a month, June, that's a pride month, and they can 
feel an embrace during that month in a way that they might not get to if they go back to Ohio to their hometown. That's beautiful too. So I think there's a lot of good to be found here. I think there's some amazing things to be found within the whole wonder of what is outside of ourselves. Because again, when you live in this world within your mind, there's very little diversity within that world because it's yours. I mean, I grew up in a Methodist home in a white neighborhood and went to a white school. And I had a black teacher when I got to fourth grade. And now there was a lot of stuff going on at home, but I think my mom kind of freaked out. I thought this woman was amazing. She was loving and caring and giving. And the next thing I know, I'm taken out of that class and put in another class. I don't know what the whole thing was going on with my mother, but my perspective of that was there was something wrong with that. There was something wrong with me having this loving relationship with someone who wasn't white. And that was my first experience with prejudiceness. And I didn't even know that there was such a word. I didn't know there was such an attitude. For me, we were just people. And she was this, I was going through some really rough times. And let me tell you something, the white teachers in my school were abusive, were cruel, were anything but loving. She was the first one that I'd actually had physical contact with that wanted to hold me to make my life safer. So I get it when you talk about someone feeling like nobody wants to hold them. Nobody wants to touch them. Nobody wants, you know, you got to be at arm's length. When we first moved here to Sarasota, and I've always been like this, it doesn't matter to me whether you live in the gutter or you're the president of the United States. You put your pants on the same way I do. And we were having a fence put in and a young man was working on the fence. And I started a conversation with him. And within, I don't know, five or 10 minutes, he says, you nice lady. And I went, okay, first off, how do you know that? We have only talked here for about five minutes. And he said, because you talked to me. I'm like looking around, Frank going, what? Excuse me? Because nobody talks to me because I'm not well-educated and I'm Mexican. I was floored. That breaks my heart. Every time I hear that from anyone, it breaks my heart that we have become a nation that isn't inclusive. We're a melting pot for the world. And yet we've got these doors that we have slammed shut. Absolutely. It's not even the physical stuff, you know? It's the mental and the emotional. That's the heart, the heart and the soul of our people. It really is. And something that I think about a lot and discuss a lot with my circle is we just experienced COVID, the horrors of that in our country. And we were brought together in a way. And I remember Every day at 7 p.m. in New York City, everyone would bang pots outside of their window for the healthcare workers, right? And I went outside one day and I looked up at 7 o'clock and I'm like, I didn't hear it anymore. And I remember getting angry. 
I was with my partner, Stephen, and I was like, what the F? Why is this stopping now? And it made me, like I said, it made me very angry. And I just don't understand why we go down this trajectory of thought and everyone's fully committed to something and then all of a sudden it stops. And that really has been something that's been really poignant and on my mind quite frequently. Everyone's very, you know, let's embrace this culture. Let's bring everyone into the fold. But then it kind of trails off. So that gentleman that you were nice to, now if they heard this conversation, it's going to wake people up for a little while. When does that trail off? That's when we need to attack. How do we embed this in people and make it part of their DNA as opposed to everyone walking around with blinders on? But yeah, it bothers me that after COVID, I feel like people have worse blinders on now than they did before. I've been finding that very, very real in my life. People aren't as open and changed by the experience for the better and unified. We're so divided. So we're in that sort of that after the phase right now. And we have people like us and and so many people in our lives need to figure out what's going on and how do we fix it now because we're living through it. I couldn't agree with you more, Frank. That is such an, an extensive conversation that needs to be happening. And I think, honestly, it's got to start at home and it's got to start with our schools. It's got to start with talking about mental health. It's got to start with not being afraid of humanity, not being afraid of other people. And I think in some respects, COVID made us afraid more so than we were before. That touching we were talking about, the first time that I got a hug from someone outside of my very small circle, I was blown away at how much I had missed that. And we got one, we got a Canfield hug. We did a Canfield hug. And I don't know if you know what that is, but that's like over a minute long. Okay. Oh. Wow. So can you imagine now that beautiful trans woman that I met and that young woman that had that developmental disability that never gets to experience that? No, that can't happen. That can't happen. They need to experience, everyone needs to experience that. So, okay, let's go on a hug a a week, a hug a day. Uh, I don't know. What do we need to do? Yeah, we need to figure out what a hugathon. A hugathon. <laughs> but what does that hug mean to you? It might mean something different than it does to me. And we need to figure out what that is, what that measurable item, that metric is for every individual, just to bridge a gap, bring people together and touch again and feel again. I'll share with you back to tattoos. I am a comic book nerd, right? my thing. I've read comic books since I could remember. I have comic books everywhere. They're literally. But I was always, there's a particular comic book called the X-Men, which if you're not familiar, it's a group of young adults with a different gene, an X gene that gives them superpowers. But they're oppressed by society because, and their, their tagline is, people fear what they don't understand. And 
that is what's happening. You know, some of us have that X gene and I'm literally tattooed in, in X-Men tattoos. It's something that I've done every all, all my favorite characters and their meaning. But we fear what we don't understand has always been something that's been drilled into me by reading this art, if you will. And just having that extra gene, that X gene, can we relate that to being a gay man? Do we have something different, a little different that people are afraid of? And trying to overcome that and chase that my whole life. You know, I get to look at my arm and go, okay, now I remember who I am very quickly. It's just for me, that's why I would do that. But it's teaching this society and having this conversation over and over and over again through different mediums, through art, through comic books, beat everyone over the head with it, impact a child with it, give it to me every way to consume it that I possibly can. And then we'll stop fearing what we don't understand after a while. Because we'll understand. Because we'll understand. Yeah. Empathy. We lack that a lot. Having empathy for another person's situation, for another person's whatever. If we could add that to our daily dose of vitamins, a little empathy as we walk out the door, a little less judgment and a little less jealousy. I would rather support you in your endeavors, in your creations, than be jealous because you have it or you're doing it or because you're willing to stretch. And that's usually where it comes from is I'm afraid of being who I am. And so I transfer that into jealousy or judgment for something that that you are doing or you are having or you are being. And when we do that, we lose something for ourselves. We close those doors of truly being able to love someone, truly being able to love ourselves, truly being able to love the planet, truly being able to love the fact that we are alive. Think about that. Life is, we wake up every morning and we expect to wake up. So when we do, We don't say thank you. We don't sit in awe for a moment that we're breathing, that we're consciously breathing, that we are consciously here, that our bodies are doing the things that it's supposed to do so that we have the ability to create whatever we want. Kristen, I just wrote something down. I'm sorry, I'm taking notes while you're talking to you. I love when you speak. But I'm going to put it up on my wall and I'm going to say sit in awe every day for one minute that you're just breathing. Yeah. I've never heard that before. And that needs to be something that more people hear. Just for one minute, set a timer on your phone. Just think about the fact that you're just breathing. That's it. Just sit in awe for it. I think that's really something special that more people should do. We're going to need a part two, obviously. <laughs> Always. That's duh. Because, and, you know, I don't want to go too far down the, the rabbit hole, but jealousy is part of our culture now because of social media. And how can I be truly happy for you with an endeavor that you're putting out there if you're falsely representing it in a way just to get a like on a social media application? Thank that's, you. 
a big problem. Well, again, part two, I, I, we could go on and on about that. But to me, that is one of the biggest problems with what's going on in our society because both parties are not, be, both parties are being jealous. I'm jealous of you, so I'm making myself look a certain kind of way, and you're jealous of me because of a false representation of who I am. And it's feeding each other. It's a war. There's a war going on, and that's where it is. That's the battlefield, in my opinion. So, oof, we could talk about this forever. Oh, yes, we could. (laughs) We could so go down that rabbit hole. (laughs) And I'm ready and willing anytime you are. (laughs) You know that. You know I'll be there with bells on. I love it. Yes. Roar with Sparks is all about how loud is your roar, what your voice is, getting out however it works for you, whether it's through writing art, riding your bike, whatever, walking down the street, being alive, and being willing to say thank you. And I am so, so thankful that you came today that we had this conversation, that you and I are willing to share our authenticity and honesty and real respect for humanity and love. Oh, God, Frank, you can feel it. You can just feel it. And for everyone out there who is listening, whether it's on International Pride Day, the day that this podcast will drop, or another day, Remember to be happy for who you are. Remember to be in pride of who you are. There's nothing wrong with having pride. There's nothing wrong with bragging about your wins. There's nothing wrong with having your voice and roaring as loud as you can because you are special. You are here. You are alive. And I so appreciate your time, Frank. Thank you. I love you so much. Thank you for having me, first of all, but bringing me to a place where I can communicate this in a safe space. And so many people have and so many people will. So, you know, I'm ride or die for you. We're here for you forever. I can't wait for the part two. But thank you for having me. It means it truly, truly means the world to me. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Roar with Sparks. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And of course, rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. We can be reached at www.wrarinc.com. Thank you again, and we can't wait to see you here next week. How loud is your roar?